Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. You know, I listen to Bickley and Murata. Terrific show, by the way. I really enjoy it. Bickley and Murata mornings from 6 to 10. Bickley and Murata. It's the greatest show on earth. Bickley and Murata. Good morning and welcome. world. Dan Bickley. Sports, man. Sports. Vince Murata. It's a power-packed morning zoo. Are you kidding me? Bickley and Murata. Bickley and Murata. I love this show. This is the greatest show in the history of radio. It's the greatest radio show ever. Bickley and Murata. I hate everything about this show. This is the worst show in the world. Good morning. Happy Tuesday, Valley sports fans. Welcome to what's going to be a gigantic week of content in the Valley. Not just the beginning of Newsmakers Week, which is Sarah Gazelle pointed out, begins now. It does. It does. But the uh, debut of Kevin Durant later this week has got a lot of people excited. Although the mystery continues to build. Kevin Durant had some comments at All-Star Weekend, like, when I'm ready to play, when mm-hmm. I decide to play. Mm-hmm. So, look, I think it's going to happen. It's going to be, it's got to be Friday, right? It, it has to be. I, I know so. he's talking and I, he's, he's tamping things down. I, it's got to be. It's got to be. Uh, I want to thank all the presidents of the United States for affording me yesterday off. Yes. Right. Thank you. Thanks for being born and having clustered birthdays. Exactly. Thanks for the political system that was born in this country when it became a Mm -hmm. country. So we can, yeah, we can, we can start there, right? (laughs) Did you see over the weekend, because we're not going to get into this today, that Robbie Anderson changed his name, former Cardinal wide receiver? Changed his name? Legally changed his first name. What? His first name is now, you ready for this? His first name is now Chosen. Chosen Anderson? Mm-hmm. I had no idea. He changed his first name from Robbie to Chosen. That's going to be... This is real? That's this is real. That's going to be awkward when they cut him. Oh. Well, it really will be. Oh, you, uh, no, Robbie's not here, man. I don't know who you, who you cut. Uh, you didn't cut me. Yeah. Don't you think Wes Anderson is like, I'm the Chosen Anderson? Well, right? I, it's... Yeah, I mean... I'm I'm the elite I, Anderson here. That's quite a name to bestow upon oneself. You heard his full name. <laughs> yeah, not just here. his first name, though. <laughs> Chosen to sit on the bench. Actually. Oh, to, yeah, man. yeah, to sit on the bench. It's right. one thing if your parents give you that name, mm-hmm. but when you choose it, you're. That's special. what I'm saying. Then you're really you're the chosen. Name. You are not, truly the chosen. Not since that Bengals wide receiver Chad Ochozinsinko. <laughs> I just, I just don't know what about his performance last season would lead him to that conclusion or that name. Yeah, it's weird because he, he was so bad in the Cardinals. You shouldn't change it to chosen. You should change it to Rosen. <laughs> oh, I mean, there, come on! There were several uh-huh. plays where he was out on the field running a route, and he was not the receiver chosen on those no. routes. <laughs> I wonder if it's like a self assurance thing. Like football is not my entire identity. I am still chosen because I love maybe myself. yeah perhaps. Yeah. Well, I not yeah. I mean, the, you, you're certainly giving up strong love yourself vibes, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Bickley breaking the news today. I had, yeah, I, I had no not, clue. I don't think I don't think I was breaking anything. Wow. I don't think I'm breaking news, but I, that did happen. Yeah, it did happen. Okay, apropos of nothing, start the show, ferret. The splash, splash. The stories making waves in the sports world. The splash. Cannonball. 
The Splash, brought to you by Presidential Pools, Arizona's number one pool builder. See why at presidentialpools.com. It was a busy weekend for the Arizona Cardinals. New head coach Jonathan Gannon filling both of his coordinator roles as expected. Drew Petzing, formerly the quarterback's coach of the Cleveland Browns, take over, takes over in the OC role. And 29-year-old Nick Rollis, the Philadelphia Eagles linebackers coach, is the new defensive coordinator. Monday, How old? Uh, 29. Uh, Monday, according to a report from NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, Gannon retained special teams coordinator Jeff Rogers from Cliff Kingsbury's staff. So that means all the coordinator roles have been filled. Rogers joined the Cardinals in 2018 as part of the Steve Wilkes staff, now working for his third head coach. Uh, Cardinals have also reportedly found their new offensive line coach. Adam Schefter of ESPN reported that Clayton Adams is the new man. Adams was on the Colts coaching staff, but left before the end of the year to join Stanford staff as the offensive line coach and run game coordinator. And now he's back in the NFL two months later. He had been on Indianapolis' staff for four seasons as both an offensive line assistant and a tight ends coach. So uh, it took a long time to get the head coach mm. in place, but the wheels are moving on getting a staff together, Big. Yeah, listen, and it, I, I found this weekend to be absolutely fascinating for the new regime of the Arizona Cardinals. I, I think the ages of the coordinators, I think those are being perceived as red flags by some people. There's a video, the pew, pew, pew video from Jonathan Gannon that made people go, did we just hire Pee Wee Herman? And then there's Scott. And then there's the Albert Breer story where you walk away from it going, this guy's interesting. We're going to get into all of it today. Yes, we are. Uh, Speaking of the Indianapolis Colts, they found their new offensive coordinator. They hired Jaguars passing game coordinator Jim Bob Cooter to join Shane Steichen's staff. This normally would not warrant inclusion in the splash, but I just wanted to say Jim Bob Cooter. And I swear to God, if you call Darren Gant right now and he says hello, you don't even have to say hi, Jerry. Just say the word Jim Bob Cooter and he'll start snickering. He will. It, it, it has that effect on him. I'm just telling you. I know this for a fact. Yes. Jim Bob is a funny name. Former uh, Cardinals D.C. Vance Joseph reportedly interviewing remotely on Wednesday and Thursday for the Eagles' vacant defensive coordinator position, one that was opened by, of course, Jonathan Gannon coming to Arizona. Sun's off until Friday night when they open their post-All-Star break schedule at home against the Oklahoma City Thunder, a game that could mark the Valley debut of Kevin Durant, who was acquired in a trade with Brooklyn on February 9th. There was some roster movement in the NBA on Monday and over the weekend after getting bought out by the Utah Jazz point guard Russell Westbrook headed for the LA Clippers. Westbrook was traded at the deadline by the Lakers where he averaged almost 16 points per game off the bench. If you were hoping veteran yeah. big man Kevin Love would end up with the Suns, that's not going to happen. He got I wasn't hoping for that, so I'm good. Yeah, uh, but he's going to, uh, he signed, uh, cleared waivers on Monday, signed with the Miami Heat for the remainder of the season. 15-year veteran, has played his entire career in Minnesota and Cleveland. Uh, Miami currently in seventh place. And if you were worried that somehow Patrick Beverly would end up as a buyout acquisition for the Suns, fear not. He's headed to Chicago in a deal that could be completed as early as today, according to Adrian Wojnarowski. Beverly started 45 games for the Lakers this season. Um, And people are making a big deal out of his 2012 tweet before he entered the NBA that he felt like he was going to play for the Bulls, and now 10 years later, 11 years later, yeah. it's coming to fruition. What they leave out is that Patrick Beverly's played on 78% of the teams in the league. <laughs> I was really hoping he'd end up in Phoenix. We were going to have the greatest sociological experiment with Vinny. We really were going to. I would have had to quit. <laughs> 
Two jobs I would have had to quit. <laughs> Both of them. <laughs> I'm done. Giannis Antetokounmpo of the uh, Milwaukee Bucks will miss some time after a sprained wrist suffered last Thursday night against Chicago. Further tests on Monday revealed no real damage, uh, but Giannis will return to the court when the swelling subsides. Bucks are 41-17. and 17. Just a half game behind the Celtics for the best record in basketball, and they've won 12 straight. Uh, the D-backs continuing spring training workouts as Cactus League play gets underway on Friday. They announced that this season will be the last for radio play-by-play man Greg Schulte, who's been with the organization since day one. You know what they should do? When he retires, retire the out-of-town scoreboard right with him. <laughs> the plan is for Schulte, who's in his 26th season, to call home games and select road games in 2023. Uh, but really, the only primary play-by-play radio man they've ever had. In I know. Oh, yeah. That is- he looks like a young Snoop Dogg. Uh, the new AP College Basketball Top 25 rankings were released Monday. Houston rising to the top spot for the third time this season. They are followed by Alabama, Kansas, UCLA, and Purdue. Arizona jumped the spot to number uh, seven with a sweep of Utah and Colorado over the weekend. The Bruins and Wildcats are the only Pac-12 teams to be ranked once again. And I don't know how much we'll get into it, uh, and maybe during the course of Newsmakers Week we will with certain guests, but I spent some time reading about the very near future of the Pac-12. Yeah? It's over, Johnny. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm curious to see what you've read, but a, yeah, it's special, it's, it's all been it's been all been moving that way, man. A special thank you to USC and UCLA for killing the conference they that they did. were a part of. Yeah, for they kind of did. Eighty years. Yep. Congratulations, guys. Mm-hmm. Way to go. Yeah. There you go. There's your splash for Tuesday, February 21st. It's a bonus Tuesday. Feels like a Monday, but it's not. It's great stuff. <laughs> Coming up next, Jonathan Gannon. Filling out his coaching staff one by one, and there's been a lot of reaction to some choices. We'll get into it next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings Live from the Akchin Community Studios here at Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Hey! What's up, man? How you doing? Good. Good. Shots. Explosives. Explosives. You can run. That is uh, Jonathan Gannon, the new head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. After Mm -hmm. his press conference on Thursday, meeting up with wide receiver Rondell Moore. A lot of people uh, reacted to that particular video. Look, I, I look at it as uh, exuberance. The guy's excited. Uh, <laughs> was it a little strange? Yes. Oh, no, no. It's a lot strange. But but what, I'm here to say lean into it. Lean into yes. the strange. Let's this, get weird, no, Arizona. Uh, let's. If you ever need anyone to get weird with, I'm right here, right? <laughs> Lee Harvey. Right. <laughs> you are a madman. Had time you stole that cow. <laughs> All right. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. So I just lean into it. I, I'm here for it because, again, that's the kind of that's the kind of cult of personality you can build. You're, you, you know what I mean? You, you, if you lean into it like that, you're going to get people going. How's this guy all about? And this is kind of where the Jonathan Gannon story is gone. It's a quite a, quite a, quite a little um, juxtaposition, if you will, yes. of inexperienced and youthful people he has chosen to be on his staff. Not that he had a ton of <laughs> options, but 
it's a you you contrast that with the bits of personality starting to show. This is going to be interesting. Yeah, let's lean into yeah, that because the coordinator positions have been filled. Uh, the reports are out there that Jeff Rogers will keep uh, control of the special teams. But when you look at the offensive coordinator and Drew Petzing, the defensive coordinator in Nick Rollis. 35 years old for Petzing, 29 years old for Nick Rollis, by Mm -hmm. far the youngest coordinator in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And I did a little uh, research project yesterday, Bick, for head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. And I didn't break it down to years and days because that would have taken way too long. Uh, But the average age right now of the Arizona Cardinals trio of head coach and coordinators, 34.7. That is by far the youngest trio in the league by average. Chargers, Rams, Texans, and Titans are the only other teams that mm-hmm. have trios or combinations with the average ages under 40. Mm-hmm. Um, so okay, there's, there's two ways to look at this. We talked about it. Lean into getting weird. Lean into this youthful exuberance with new blood. The other part of it is... When this process started, we were not alone in wanting this to be satisfied in the in the search was coaches with experience. If you go down the road of inexperienced mm-hmm. coaches, we see what can happen. Not saying that they're doomed to fail. It's just curious. Yes. Okay, so here's what I would say about that. I would say that as it as it relates to his offensive coordinator, Drew Petzing, quarterback coach, formerly of Cleveland, 35 years of age, um, a dude who is as tall as Kyler Murray, and we know that from Mary Kay Cabot, who covered him. Mm-hmm. She brought it up, not me. I didn't say, hey, Mary Kay, by the way, how tall is Drew? <laughs> how funny you should ask. He's eking look eye-to-eye to Kyler Murray. <laughs> All right, so it, it, with it, in respect to him, that guy was attached to be Jonathan Gannon's offensive coordinator before he signed with the Cardinals. So this was his handpicked guy. Uh-huh. So when Jonathan Gannon sat down and said, "Okay, if I get interviews again this year, if I that's th- this is my guy. This is going to be my offensive coordinator." So I'm okay with him because Jonathan Gannon clearly sees something in him. This is a my guy kind of choice. Um, this other guy. Rollins, who is 29 and off the Eagles staff, A, I think that's more a function of not a ton of options, and B, I think it's a function of, okay, I I was the defensive coordinator. That's probably where most of my bent is going to be. I can groom this guy. I know this guy. So, listen, is it ideal? It's exactly the opposite of what I wanted. When And and I didn't want the team to go Bruce Arians, who went out with his me hire and brought in Tom Moore, who was about 112. And still on the Tampa Bay coaching right, staff. Right, right. Do you know what I mean? He he went out and got somebody with all the experience. We're, I think if you combined all the coaches and staff for the Cardinals right now is age. You it, wouldn't get to Tom Moore. Right. Yeah, it's I'm, possible. Yeah, it's, it's their ages right now equal 104. It would be close. <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> so so to me, I think this is uh, this is somewhere. Okay, you know what? The in the end, these are assistant coaches. The Drew Petzing one is more important than the defensive coordinator because there's the Kyler Murray thing attached. But but the bigger arching question in all of this is when you attach the personality element that we're seeing flashed by Jonathan Gannon and the energy that he's exhibiting. Keep in mind that Jonathan Gannon, we saw at that press conference, as you pointed out, Michael Bidwill went out of his way to go, this isn't even half the guy that we interviewed. This is low-key 
Jonathan yes. Gannon. Yes. Okay. He made a point to let. Okay. So if this guy really burns that crazy hot, there's going to be a, a force of personality with that. I'm going to be very curious. But the big, big thing, Vinny, is this guy is all about having enough stuff in the playbook that he can adapt to anybody and any team he plays, which means Kyler Murray's homework and preparation just went through the roof in terms of what he is expected to know yes. and what he is expected to be able to do on a football field. Just went through the roof. We don't know how he's going to react to that. No. Let's uh, hope it's well. Jonathan Gannon sat down with uh, Peter King, uh, and Peter King wrote about it in Football Morning in America. And uh, you know, the question was, you're going to hire, and he has hired, 29-year-old and 35-year-old coordinators in Rollis and Drew Petzing. You have conviction on both young coaches. The answer, quote, 100% convicted. You know, I talked in about that in the interview, and the other guys that I interviewed for those jobs were all on the younger side, too. Probably. Uh, one defensive guy was a little bit older. Age isn't a prerequisite for firepower. I've always thought that. When we got to Philly, we had the youngest staff in the NFL. There's a reason that our players ran into the building to come to work. I love that. I'm going to have some guys with major, major experience worked into the staff because I value that, too. But as far as who's running the offense and defense, age was never a factor for me. What was in their brain and what was in their heart, it's capacity and character. That's what I'm looking for in a staff. Okay. So he's obviously followed up with, with those hires. It's weird. Like In preparation for the show, I, w- I was doing some, some uh, you know, recon on, on Nick Rollis, and I did a YouTube search. And there's a YouTube clip of him quite recently playing college football Mm -hmm. for the University of Minnesota where he gets called for a targeting penalty. Horrible call, by the way. The quarterback... On the other team on the play was David Blau at Purdue, <laughs> who played for the Cardinals last year. That's how Holy young this guy cow. is. There are three coordin- only three defensive coordinators in the NFL right now under the age of 41. Oh, it's unheard of. And Nick Rollis is the youngest by six years. Yeah, it's unheard of. I, again, uh, I'm, I, I think it's a little bit... It, <laughs> I, 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 no, I don't think this. I know this. I know how this stuff gets perceived in the NFL. This will be perceived in the same way the Cardinals hiring Cliff Kingsbury will be. There are going to be X amount of old school, old guard people who go, oh, really? You think you can circumvent the process? You, you, you think you can shave 20 years of the experience, off the experience curve? Just because you're so smart there in Arizona, that's the way it gets perceived. And, and again, how, how much experience do you have at age 29? In any walk of life. So again, yes, those uh, there. Are, I have a lot of obvious questions about Nick Rollis and and the age of this cat to do this job. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach Jackson, who covers the Cleveland Browns for the Athletic, was uh, on late last week to talk about Drew Petzing before as that uh, hiring became official and uh, you know offered. Uh, why Petzing uh, might be a good offensive coordinator. Stefanski, um, Gannon, and Drew Petzing were together in Minnesota for four years, I believe. And those are young guys who have been on the rise since. Petzing is the youngest of them all. Um, he wasn't the first hire for Kevin Stefanski when he uh, got the job in early 2020 with the Browns, but he was one of the first hires. He was two years as a tight ends coach and then moved last year, which was A, to benefit the Browns, but also for his own career. Uh, they knew that when Jonathan Gannon got a job, that he was probably going to hire Drew Petzing. So, um, smart guy. Um, I'm sure we can get more into this, but the offense was not the problem in Cleveland last year, right? There was lots of outside stuff and inside stuff where they failed. It certainly wasn't the offense. 
Um, so he's come up, you know, in the way that many of these guys have. And like I said, he's, he's long. But I, I don't think, you know, that it was 100% a slam dunk when Jonathan Gannon went to the interview a week ago today um, that it was going to be petting. But people have known for a long time that this is the link they wanted to make. And, you know, so if you trust in Jonathan Gannon, then you trust in Drew Petting. What I think is interesting, too, is the Cardinals could be in – the market for a quarterback to fill in for Kyler Murray while he's recuperating from that knee surgery. And Jacoby Brissett was the starter for 11 games in Cleveland. Uh, there might be a connection with Drew Petzing there. You could mm-hmm. do a lot worse for a stopgap quarterback in Kyler Murray's absence than Jacoby Brissett, who, by the way, yeah, almost had identical numbers to Kyler Murray. They both started 11 games last year. Uh, Jacoby Brissett actually threw for more yards, had a higher quarterback rating, and won one more game. Than Kyler Murray. Did. Okay, I did not know that. Yeah, it, it, so I wouldn't. I, yeah, I wouldn't say they're comparable. Let's hope they're not comparable quarterbacks. No, Brissett is not a statue. I mean, he oh. ran for two hundred and forty-three yards and two touchdowns. Uh, you know, and and Kyler Murray at four eighteen and three. But um, like I said, you you could do worse than if you if you have to plug in somebody who's been proven as that guy, mm-hmm. not your long-term starter. But a guy, a break break glass in case of emergency guy, Jacoby Brissett can fill that role. Just mm. something to keep an eye on maybe uh, moving forward as uh, more changes happen with the Arizona Cardinals. You can text your thoughts, as always, to the FanDuel text line. It's open at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, the All-Star Game is behind us. We are nearing the debut in Phoenix for Kevin Durant. Will it be Friday? Well, KD spoke about it over the weekend. We'll get into some of his comments and more next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on this Tuesday here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Kevin Durant and the Phoenix Suns. Listen, I don't want to hear anything about, oh, they got time to win the championship. No, it's championship or bust this season. And when it comes down to the Phoenix Suns giving up everything that they gave up to get Kevin Durant, and rightfully so, I don't want to hear about they could wait till next year or they got a little time. No, they have to show up and show out. The Western Conference is wide open right now, and with a dynamic duo in Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, you have one of the best in the league, especially in the Western Conference, you have to get it done this year. The pressure is on Kevin Durant. He left Golden State, went to Brooklyn. That was a failure. Now you're in Phoenix in a great situation. You have zero excuses not to bring a championship to Phoenix. Kendrick Perkins, ESPN's and championship or bust this year for the Phoenix Suns. 22 games remain. We have not seen Kevin Durant wear a uniform in a competitive setting yet with the uh, Phoenix Suns. That could happen on Friday. Uh, and Kendrick Perkins also famously gave the take that the Suns were holding Mikel Bridges back last week. So yeah. th- take those uh, I, views with a grain of salt. Yeah. And let me let me tell you about the excitement of, of this element. This is a funny little anecdote, okay? okay. So uh, so my wife is running in a 10K over the weekend, and anybody who has been the significant other who's done that knows what that's like. You have to get up at the crack of dawn, drive the racer to the car, and then you stand around in the freezing cold until they get done racing, right? It, it's a blast. Last, let me tell you. Yeah. It's just one of the things you have to do, right? And you do it with a smile on your face. The guy at the finish line announcing racers coming across the finish line in this 10K, about halfway through it, busted it into his own sports talk radio show. And nobody knew it. He didn't even know it. He just started talking about Kevin Durant and the Suns into his microphone, and he didn't stop. 
And I'm like, this guy is doing his own show. That's how excited people are about Kevin Durant. Maybe he saw you standing there no, smiling on your face. No, it had nothing to do with me. <laughs> Homie didn't see me. I was hiding behind a tree. I thought he was going to call me over for a guest segment. Yeah, if I had a dollar for every time I've asked what I think about the trade. Oh, I bet. I, I, to, I bet you're inundated. I went to a big family dinner over the weekend, and that's all anybody wanted to talk about. Yeah. it's Look, it's exciting. Kevin Durant was at the All-Star Weekend in Salt Lake City. He didn't play. He had his media availability on Saturday. The one thing we brought up, Bick, last week as a concern, okay, you've got a much different looking team. When you when you take Kevin Durant, one of the great players in the NBA, and plop him down mm-hmm. into the middle of your lineup with 22 games left, with injury and health being a concern at this point, mm-hmm. chemistry can maybe be an issue. Well, yeah, not only that, okay, it's it's Darius Baisley, it's Terrence Ross, it's these other new pieces who are coming TJ in. TJ Warren. Warren. TJ Warren, who are coming in to take minutes from guys who have already been here. Mm-hmm. And so that changes the vibe of practice. It changes the vibe of everything. The togetherness vibe, whatever they had, it's different now because there's new dudes coming in to take their playing time. Yes. So it's it, it's really, this. that's why I'm, I'm fascinated watching Monty Williams right now and trying to see how he's verbally handling all this. Yeah. And he's going back to his old shucksisms, his Monty-isms. And admittedly, Thursday, he struggled with it. Oh, yeah. He played too many guys. He admitted it. Like He was he was looking for a combo and played 12 guys 12 in that different guys, game. yeah. And so this is going to be, this is not as easy as it sounds. No. Uh, but Kevin Durant at the All-Star Game did talk about chemistry, and he says it can... You know, come together quickly. If you're locked in enough, um, it can happen pretty fast. You've got veteran players that know how to play the game and know different terminologies. So I think, you know, we put our mind to it, it can happen pretty quickly. He was also asked about, you know, the narrative that's out there that the Suns, and when that trade went down, the immediate reaction was, oh, there goes the Suns' depth. Uh, he kind of railed against that. I don't think people watch the, the Phoenix Suns enough to say that, you know. And we got a couple guys back in this trade, but also signs Ter- Terrence Ross as well. So um, I, I, once our team gets hold, we'll figure out who we are and see see what needs the holes needs to be plugged in. But the easy thing is to say right now we don't have a bench. Yeah, um, and I I don't necessarily agree with that either. Um, and when you get to look twenty two games, depth is a thing for twenty two games. When mm-hmm. you get to the playoffs, how much depth do you actually need? It's nice to no, have you it don't. as a luxury. You don't, but you got you got to know what your rotation yes, should be. Yes, you do, and that that's the charge to, to Monty Williams and the players involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other money quote from Kevin Durant was. Uh, he was asked about players having the power to force, demand, request trades. Uh, he says, got no issue with that. I don't think it's bad for the league. It's bringing more eyes to the league. More people are more excited. The tweets that I got and the the, the the news hits that we got from me being traded, Kyrie being traded, just bring more attention to the league. And that's really what makes you money is when you get more attention. So um, I think it's great for the league, to be honest. Teams been trading players and making acquisitions for a long time now when a player can you know uh, kind of dictate where he wants to go and leaving free agency or demand a trade is just part of the game now so I don't think it's a bad thing it's bringing more and more excitement um, to the game doesn't surprise me that Kevin Durant would have those views mm-hmm. it's great for the game I don't know if it's great for the game 
but it just goes along he, with this, he, this, well, yeah. this push for player empowerment. So you know, that, it is what it is. What is Kevin Durant going to say? Yeah. It's terrible for the league. You saw, uh, Char- was you saw what Charles Barkley had to say about this. Yes. <laughs> well, and, and Charles Barkley had some of the harshest criticism about this, and he basically said that in the new co- upcoming CBA, the owner's not going to deal with this anymore. Owner's not going to deal with players who want load management and then players who ask and opt out of deals that they signed a year ago. And you see Kevin Durant's right in his crosshairs. Yes. Um, but, I mean, when you break the, the situation in Brooklyn was untenable. Everybody that was involved will, will tell you that. Um, it was a major experiment that failed. And Kevin Durant was the last one standing from that experiment. What? Uh, I, I, excuse I, me. I, I, it got untenable at the end? I, it got untenable because Kyrie Irving asked for a trade out of however, the blue. It, however, it got to untenable. Was it, it untenable? Apparently, they're all gone. Well, I, I know that, but untenable is blow up. We can't return this group. We can't do any. Well, let's not argue about semantics. But so it's I think it's clear Kevin Durant is going to be the guy that defends that, that, oh, yeah, this brings a lot of excitement to the league. I, I think he's in the minority of that on that. Yeah. Uh, Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, also spoke on that subject last week. It's not a new issue. I think it gets um, uh, there's more attention focused on it than ever before because of all the, the, the fishbowl effect of social media and the opportunity for every single comment to be magnified in incredible ways. So, I mean, it, again, go back to earliest days of this league, guys that demanded trades. Having said that, of course you want players to honor their contracts. You want to extent that, that there's always going to be discussions that go on behind scenes, uh, behind the scenes between players and management about whether it's the right situation for them. But you never want to get to the point where a player's literally demanding that he goes somewhere else. Look, I'm just going to look at this from uh, as, as you know unbiased a, a viewpoint as I can. Adam Silver said it. It's not a new issue. I mean, Charles Barkley can rail on Kevin Durant demanding a trade. You know, this, this, you know, he's not that far into his contract mm-hmm. that he signed with the, with the Nets. Charles Barkley demanded a trade out of Phoenix. He wanted out. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not a Didn't new issue. Didn't he demand issue. a trade out of Philadelphia? Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> so twice in his career when he, when he moved addresses. Um, teams have been trading players forever without their, their say so. It's just, it, 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 is it frustrating for a lot of people? Yes. Well, is it frustrating for yeah. Brooklyn Nets fans? Yeah, They yeah. thought they had a championship right. team. Exactly. And that championship team played 16 games That's together. It. That's it. Like I've said all along, the idea of a super team, no matter how you get it, it's great when you have it. And now we have it, so so our our opinion about it is going to change dramatically. Yes. If Kevin Durant had upped out of Brooklyn and ended, up, and ended up with the Warriors again... We would be complaining to the nines about Kevin that Durant. Kevin Durant won us. And, yeah, and that would be every last one of us in this market. Yes. We would be ripping Kevin Durant, and he knows it. And regardless of what Kevin Durant does for the Suns, and I think it's going to be very positive here in Phoenix this year and beyond, mm-hmm. I'll never retroactively say, oh, he was right to go to Golden State. I think that was, a you know, he got two championships, but I think for his image and his reputation, that was a misstep. Yeah, yeah so he's banking and hoping that this is going to make up for what never got done in Brooklyn, for what he never was able to prove in Brooklyn. So, yeah, this will, so the, the way you do it now is come in and even though he's not a leader kind of player, do everything you can to make this this chemistry pop right away. Mm-hmm. It really is something. The Suns won 64 games last year, 
and have turned over 50% of their roster oh, yeah. and 40% of their starting lineup. But again, this this is what going for it looks like. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the, go back to 92. The Suns had won, what, 54 games in, 19, in the 91-92 mm-hmm. season? And they walked off the quarter through they got eliminated from the playoffs, and they said, we need a Charles Barkley. And they traded 60% of their starting lineup, and you saw what happened. Yeah. I personally can't wait. And I, oh. and I know I am not alone. This is going to be quite a, an era of basketball, no matter how long it lasts. I'm, I'm going on record for the first time saying I'm really excited about an 8 o'clock tip this year. Oh, okay. <laughs> Friday, Friday night, 8 o'clock. There you go. <laughs> Welcome to the Valley. Kevin uh, it is Newsmakers Week. Day one, we will talk to all the movers and shakers in Valley and Arizona sports this week on Bickley and Murata Mornings. And Newsmakers Week kicks off next as we jo- uh, we're we joined by Eric Moses, the executive director and CEO of the Fiesta Bowl. That is straight ahead. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Newsmakers Week with Bickley and Murata Mornings. Newsmakers Week 2023 kicks off this morning on this Tuesday as we welcome the new executive director, CEO of the Fiesta Bowl, Eric Moses, joins us in studio here in the Auction Community Studios. Eric, great to meet you in person. The last time we had you on the phone, we had a little bit of a technical snafu, so it's good to meet you in person and and welcome to the show. Look, if I didn't get in here sooner or later, I was going to start to think you guys didn't like me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that. Well, here we are. Uh, And, you know, your first first bowl game as the executive director, and the football gods blessed you with a great one, TCU and Michigan, all those points, probably one of the more memorable Fiesta Bowls. Looking back on on how things went for your first go-around, how, how would you sum it up? Look, I almost called a press conference the day after and announced I was leaving because uh, I thought, you know, how, how does it get any better than this? You know, 44 points scored in the third quarter, mm-hmm. uh, an upset by most people's accounts, uh, and just a really great game, right? And so uh, I think it went well. We have a team that executes well, uh, has always done that. I was there to, to observe and see what we could make better to try to figure out where there could be some improvements uh, and really to soak it in. You know, I've been a Fiesta Bowl fan all my life as a, as a college football fan and have my own Fiesta Bowl memory. You know, Tommy Frazier down the right sideline against Florida, oh, yeah. you know, uh, and so it was great just to be there and soak it all up, man. The energy inside that place was incredible. This is uh, such an exciting time for college football with the expanded playoff and the Fiesta Bowl, obviously an integral part of that. Sketch out what this next year is going to be like being a bridge year going into this 12-team playoff. Yeah, so for 23 this year, we, we will uh, have another uh, face-off of two top 12 teams, right? We won't be a semifinal. Uh, and then when we go to 24, we'll be a quarterfinal. And then in 25, we'll, we'll have a semi again. So, right. uh you know, with the expansion, the New Year Six, as it stands right now, we'll all have playoff games essentially uh, among the six of us every year. And uh, and I guess what I'm getting at is, so if you've got this incredible new system coming in 24 that everyone can't wait to see, I'll bet you it's real important to stay in the moment and make sure you do 23 right. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know. We're pursuing excellence at everything we do all the time. And so whether or not we were going to be a playoff game or not, we'd be doing that. But there need to be constant reminders from our organization and from this marketplace of why those games need to be here year in and year out. We do big events well in this town. Mm-hmm. And we need to remind the entire industry and fan bases around the country that Arizona is a place you want to be for something like this. Eric Moses, the executive director of the Fiesta Bowl uh, on uh, Newsmakers Week here on Big 
Bickley and Murata mornings. If, say, somebody was a college football fan and they were asleep for the last five years, Eric, and they woke up today and they you know, were catching up on what happened in college football, it's a different sport than it was five years ago. It has changed substantially, exponentially. What kind of challenges does that present? Just the, the overall change in college football, what does it present to a bowl game like the Fiesta Bowl? I think the biggest challenge that we think about in terms of the rule changes for the players are the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. Um, at our guaranteed rate bowl this year, neither of the starting quarterbacks played because they were both in the portal. Um, and as a promoter, which is what I am and what we are, mm-hmm. y- you want your fans and your customers to get the best possible product. And we can't really control that part of the product. We can't control which players play and don't play. Mm-hmm. And so I am concerned about how, how we as an industry ensure that the best players take the field for every game and especially for the bowl games because they mean so much to the the fabric of what makes college football different than the pros, right? So so that part's uh, one of one part of it. I think the NIL thing has, has yet to really rear its head for us. Uh, you saw the Cheese at Bowl do a couple of interesting activations with a couple players uh, for their two bowl games. I thought that was interesting. They still need to work out the the, the fine uh, fine tune that stuff. As a fan and as somebody who cares about student athletes I'm happy these guys are, are getting an opportunity mm-hmm. to make some money off of their very unique skills for a very short period of time uh, and to have some of the flexibility to make certain that they're able to pursue you know, their career uh, the, the right way, just like a coach can. Yeah. Do you think ultimately the first problem you describe, player, big-name big players not playing in bowl games for whatever reason, getting ready for the draft or they're in the transfer portal, do you think that can be addressed ultimately by NIL, getting involved and, 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 and money ensuring that those players do make appearances? Well, there's some folks who would say that money can solve all problems. Yes. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure whether I believe that or not. I, I think if if it's my son and I think he has a real chance to play in the NFL, I want to be very circumspect about you know the chances we take with his health because he's going to need that. Now, that said, you look at players like Saquon Barkley and others who played in bowl games and maybe even improved their, their draft stock, right? Showed in a big game on a big stage against really high competition what they could do. So I think it can go either way. I think insurance can be a way that we're able to address this so that there's some more comfort for families and kids that, hey, if something, God forbid, something happens to me in this game, I won't be destitute. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I think we need to all put our heads together as, a, as an industry and figure out how to protect the young men, um, but also make certain the fans get what they deserve. Um, all right. Now, so I want to ask you about uh, the condition of the, the playing field, because player slippage was a big issue during the Super Bowl. It was a lesser issue, but an issue during the TCU-Michigan game. And and not to cast blame on anybody here, but obviously you want to try to get to the root of why, why this is happening. What's your perception on coming out of your game, what player slipping issues were on account of? So it, it's hard to say, and I'm not I'm not an expert in, in grass, although I've had to learn more about it over my career <laughs> than, I, than I ever than thought, thought I would have to. Um, you know, I look at the at the equipment managers. I mean, they, they have to make certain that they, they're choosing the right cleats uh, for the players to be able to get the kind of grip that they get. Uh, during the Fiesta Bowl, I mean, we're playing on a professional field. We're, we're playing in a professional stadium. So you've got to assume that, that we have the best technology, the best equipment, everything going. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't want to speculate about that. Obviously, the player safety is is, is number one for all of us, uh, and we will do anything that we think is reasonably necessary in order to ensure that going forward. 
speaking with Executive Director of the Fiesta Bowl, Eric Moses, here on Newsmakers Week on Arizona Sports. To start the interview, Eric, you said uh, the timing of you assuming this role with the Fiesta Bowl led to observation this first time around uh, and ways to make this better. Did anything, has anything popped up, you know, in your observation of the first Fiesta Bowl that you were a part of uh, as something that can be improved or tweaked or, you know, augmented right away? This is going to sound bad, but. Um the team executes really well. <laughs> um, it's a well-oiled machine. It's 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 working. Um, look, I, I think there are always things that you can do better. I think in this age of technology being so great, and my 85-inch television, and my own beer, and my own bathroom with no line, yeah. uh, in my living room or man cave, we're all fighting against that, right? Yeah. So the the first the first goal for all of us as promoters and event promoters is how do I get you off your couch and into that van? you fighting the traffic paying the money doing all the things that you have to do and that means we got to up the ante and raise the stakes every year we have to give you more experiences more stuff to get you excited get pull your family in your kids in, whatever so there's something for everyone so that quest never stops we have to be thinking about that every year this year i think we did a really good job especially with verbo as a first year partner they were great in helping us to lean in to bring boys to men out to sing the the national anthem we found out that we had 90 percent of our fans in the stadium uh, before kickoff. That never happens. Wow. Never happens, right? And so... We think that's because they wanted to see boys and men sing, right? <laughs> and, and, and Bruce Buffer do his whole thing to get us ready for kickoff and everything. So doing things like that to get people excited about being inside the building after having a great time outside uh, is something that, that, that we have to do. That's interesting. All right. So the WM Phoenix Open Golf Tournament just rolled through town here. And this was their first year as an elevated status to, uh, event on the PGA Tour, which was great. But it also meant the pressures ratcheted up and you've got more boxes you need to check. So now with the Fiesta Bowl rolling into this new expanded college football rotation and you guys are quarterfinal and semifinal and maybe a championship game, what boxes do you need to check now to rise to the moment or do you need to? What are the thoughts that you guys think now, now that the platform is being elevated? Well, first, let me say that that WN Phoenix Open is ridiculous. <laughs> like, I, I went out three days this year. I literally texted all my friends back east and said, uh, mark this week off on your calendar because you'll be here with me next year and the year after that and the year after that and the year after that. Um, it was fantastic to see the way they do what they do out there. Um, look, I, I think that, and, and I've, I've said this to the team and to our board and our Yellow Jackets and others, we have to ensure that there is local alignment by all of us in the kind of sports community here and the hospitality community here. Uh, the Fiesta Bowl and Arizona and the Valley are known as providing world-class hospitality. That's a great calling card, but mm-hmm. we, we can't rest on our laurels as it re- re- relates to that. I just moved from Nashville. That town is coming. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's coming. Yeah. yeah. Right? It's easy to work with. They're going to have a brand new stadium. It's going to be right downtown. You can get to Broadway in five minutes, all the honky-tonks, and have a good time. It's coming. Las Vegas is coming. Right? So if, if, if we don't focus on ensuring that everybody has a great time when they're here, ensuring that our uh, public safety partners, our venue partners, uh, our business community, and others are all leaning in to ensure that people leave here going, what's the next time I can get back to the Valley? Mm-hmm then we may have some problems. And so, you know, a big part of what I'm trying to do and in introducing myself to folks around the Valley is, you know, 
proselytize to the masses. This is this is for the betterment of all of us. So let's get together, get some alignment, and make certain we all win. Yeah, Eric, great to be yeah, here. Yeah, well person. done, my man. Way to kick off Newsmakers yeah. Week, Eric. You batting lead off. Good job. Setting the table. More than setting the table. That's a lead off home run right there, Eric. Well, Eric. Thanks so much. I, I used to bat lead off, but not because I hit home runs, because I could draw a walk here and there. <laughs> right, you got to get on base, man. <laughs> on base is, is important. Uh, thank you so much for coming in. Great to meet you. Thank you, guys. Eric Moses, the executive director of the Fiesta Bowl, kicking off Newsmakers Week 2023. It will continue in the 7 o'clock hour. We will have a chat with U of A head football coach Jed Fish. But coming up next, a lot of people thought Kyler Murray might be a detriment to a new head coach taking a job in Arizona. Well, the guy who took it says that's not the case. We'll get into that and more next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.